Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Today's long-awaited guest has been a longtime friend and supporter to Balance 365, and whenever we ask our community which guest we should have on our show, his name always comes up. You might know him as the man behind Body for Wife, but we can't get enough of his straight shooter, honest approach to behavior change. Joining us today is the one and only James Fell. James is a highly regarded science-based motivator for lasting life change. James recently launched his second book, and on today's episode, he shares with us how love and a Joan Baez quote changed his life forever, how getting clear on your values can make change feel easier, and why relying on willpower is a bad idea. We had so much fun recording this episode with James, and we know you're going to love it too. Enjoy. Jen and Lauren, we have been waiting for a really, really long time for this podcast episode, and I know our community members have been too. Are you ready for this, Lauren? So ready. Jen, we had to how about reschedule. You? You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Sorry, Lauren, what was that? I, got, I was so excited. I just cut you off. <laughs> I was going to say we had to reschedule, so I've been waiting for like an extra week. I know, and every time we ask our community um, inside our Facebook group, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, uh, who we should have on as a guest, notoriously, this man's name keeps coming up. It is James Fell. Welcome to the show. How are you? I, I kind of feel like a rock star right now after that <laughs> intro. <laughs> you kind of are a rock star. Like, uh, the- yeah, tell my kids that one. <laughs> <laughs> we, also, um, we also get a lot of referrals from you, so thank you. Oh, you're we very welcome. A no, ton we- of women that said they found us through you. That we have uh, uh, like-minded followers, I would, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. We, um, James and Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, which used to, is what Balance 365 was before it became Balance 365, go, go way back. So we've been pals for a while. And Jen and uh, James, you guys met, I think, before James and I met. How did you two meet? In Vancouver. Oh, like we just met online. Small world, as we talk about when you are not shucking BS to people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then we met up in Vancouver and had coffee, which was awesome. Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, I was in Vancouver for a conference and, uh, and so we, we got to do the go from being internet friends to real life friends, which is always always exciting when that happens. Virtual high five. Yeah. And I met James when um, I went to the fitness summit in Kansas city, many years ago. I mean, gosh, that was probably three or four years ago, I suppose. But Mm -hmm. um, it was like one of those whispers in the lobby, like, that's James Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it weird, Annie. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the women were whispering in my ear. And I'm like, okay, okay. uh, Yeah, it was it was fun to have a couple drinks. And um, since then, our relationship with um, our company and you have have fostered and we are excited to bring you on because you have a new book coming up. This is actually your second book, um, second to Lose It Right. Is that mm-hmm. correct? That's correct. It comes out January 2nd and I told James- no, 20, 22nd. Oh, oh, sorry, 22nd, January 22nd. Uh, and I told James before we started this that uh, we have labeled our podcast as clean, which means it doesn't have any explicit lyrics. And the title of this book is called The Holy S Moment. And uh, that's what we're going to call it for this podcast because we know we have people listening with little ears within earshot. Um, But you can probably imagine what the title of that book is. And I just have to say, um, it's not actually out in print yet, is it? No, no, we're uh, so January 22nd. So as of recording right now, we're six days away. So it depends on when you publish this, I guess. So by the time it's released, it, our this episode is released, they'll be able to find it where can they find it? 
Anywhere. Uh, so it's being published by St. Martin's Press in the United States and Canada. And uh, if you have any listeners in the UK, HarperCollins is the publisher there. So this is, uh, this is my first international release book. My first book, Lose It Right, was just published in Canada. That's exciting. exciting. You feel good about it? Oh yeah, I'm I'm really stoked. So yeah, they can find it at any bookstore, any any platform. There's an audio recording too. So if people don't hate my voice, uh, I'm the one that did the narration for the audio. I love it when authors do that. Mm-hmm. I do too. You really love feel connected because, to that author. Yeah. yeah, I love it too because they paid me to do it. <laughs> yeah, <nice>. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> and the cover of the book, unless it's changed, because we um you were kind enough to share the um digital um format of it with us the cover has a lightning bolt on it right yes it does and i don't know if you can see that but i've got a big old tattoo um, on my trap so you know i feel (laughs) like it was clearly this was a book that was meant to be in my house annie breeze (laughs) me and harry potter are all big on (laughs) (laughs) except i've I've never seen harry potter or i've never read harry potter what i know nothing about i know okay you just lost some fame (laughs) (laughs) unfollow I'm sorry. I'm not cool. Um, okay, so I just wanted to note this out too because on page six, it just says, Hi, mom. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> that is so sweet. So you definitely earned some bonus points. But um, what I want to talk about is if you know us, you know that the three of us are all about slow and sustainable change. But you actually wrote this book because you found yourself as a coach encouraging slow and steady change, but that actually hadn't reflected your experience and how um, you forever changed your life. Would you mind sharing the story about um, the moment and the quote that you things shifted for you? Yeah. So, uh, but before I get into that briefly, like when it comes to say health and fitness, uh, I don't mean, you know, jump into your first session with Attila, the trainer and go hardcore and wreck yourself on day one. Um, when it comes to the, the change of changing one's body, uh, you still need to be rational <laughs> and, and don't destroy yourself. But the, the change that I'm talking about is the, the way that you're motivated, that quite often we talk about motivation as a form of baby steps, being a tortoise, not a hare as well. You slowly, step by step, drag yourself over a motivational tipping point, developing you know, uh, habits that become sticky. And the, the reality is that there's a lot of people that don't do it that way. They go from zero to 100 miles an hour in a moment, and they stay that way because of some transformative life-changing event that, that just wakes up a part of their brain where they achieve a new purpose in life that endlessly and vigorously drives them forward. So that's what the book is about, is the science of, of that, that event. And so there's the, you know, all the scientific aspect, but there's also a lot of anecdotal stories that run the gamut of, you know, relationships and career change and battling addiction. But also, yes, there are some weight loss stories in there as well. But to my personal, um, the, the first big transformative experience for me happened when I was about 22 years old and I was in university and, and I'd actually gotten the letter that said, because this isn't verbatim, but it boils down to your grades suck. We're kicking you out. <laughs> and, and I was, you know, I was in debt, but the credit card companies were calling and, uh, and I wasn't looking after my health. I was drinking too much. And, and I was in a state of despair. Uh, and part of that had to do with my, my girlfriend was that she was a very driven woman, straight A student, destined for med school. And I knew that if I got kicked out of school, and I do not say this to ever speak ill of her, but I knew if I got kicked out of school, that it was going to be the beginning of the end. That, the, you know, she wasn't going to stay with a guy that was a drunken dropout who was letting his health go to hell. And, and so I was, I was really kind of freaked out about what am I going to do? And so I'm reading the university newspaper and there was this section that's like their classified ads called three lines free. And it's, it's, you know, a a mixed bag of things from uh, quotes and witticisms and proclamations of undying love or temporary lust or whatever. And, and there was a quote in there from, of all people, Joan Baez, the folk singer. And the quote read, Action is the antidote to despair. And I read that and it didn't hit me immediately, but it, 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 the first thing was 
I realized that, you know what, all these problems that I have can be fixed via action. If I get down and get to work, I could fix this stuff. And that was, that was the first little wake up. And then the next part that hit me bigger was the realization that I had been pretty lazy my entire life. I've been skating through on cruise control, not really putting much effort into anything. These problems that I was experiencing were of my own doing. Um, and you, you people know me that I'm not one of those guys that say, oh, just suck it up. And, you know, I realize that there are people that, that, you know, life is a garbage sandwich and it's not their own doing, but mine, this was my fault. I had dug this hole myself and only I had the ability to dig my way out. And, and so there was that realization that I'd been really lazy and I was actually putting effort into being lazy by, you know, the mental gymnastics it took to, to, you know, shirk my responsibilities each day. And that was when my brain woke up in an instant where I said, if I just put effort in a positive way, if I just got down and started working, I could fix all this. And that's the way that these life-changing epiphanies work is that they are, they're a big picture concept. It's they're, they're fuzzy. They're not usually very concrete. Um, the, the concrete action plan comes afterward, after you have the event, but the event happened was like, if I just work, I'll fix everything. And in that moment, I experienced what's known in psychology of behavior change circles as dramatic relief, where suddenly you see the light at the end of the tunnel. All the problems haven't gone anywhere, still there, but you know you're going to fix them. And you, you know that the, the, the light is there, you can see it, and you're going to race toward it, and everything's going to be okay. And from that moment, in that instant, I was a changed man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got two master's degrees. I didn't, I didn't flunk out when I got two master's degrees. Oh, and that woman, the, the girlfriend, uh, we've been together for almost 30 years now. And so, yeah, I told you she was the one. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, got in shape, got out of debt, all that, all that good stuff. I don't want to brag. I don't want to spoil, I didn't want to spoil it for everyone. But when I was reading this part about your, like this moment that you were having, reading that quote, I was like, did he? <laughs> did he, do it? he did and that's like oh my gosh it's so sweet um but i love that realization that you said um i i was in this position because i had put myself there and while that can maybe feel a little like i did this to myself it can also feel like i can get myself out like the flip side of that coin is yeah i put myself here but also i can get myself out and that's really like encouraging and, and empowering i think I yeah. got goosebumps. I don't know if you see them on my camera. My hair is standing on end. So I see that shift with some of our Balance 365 members sometimes. And I, I agree. Some people get a garbage sandwich. But it is so important to reflect on our contribution to where we're at in life. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly, that it is so important to reflect on that. There are obviously things that were out of your control, but there are also things that you have done, you know, for, this is a very complex topic, but um, especially, you know, just the different members we have and the different lives they come from. But I feel like that can be such a light bulb or that lightning bolt they need to go, you know, maybe they can't change everything about their life, but maybe they have more control than they have let themselves believe leading up and, to that moment. And the thing is that there's, there's focal changes and then there's global changes. What I experienced was largely a global change that I just decided that it wasn't that I was going to get in shape or that I was going to, that I was going to stop flanking out of school. I was going to fix everything. And so that uh -huh. was a global change. Other people have these focal changes, like the example in chapter one of Chuck Gross, who it started with his weight because he weighed over 400 pounds. And that was, that was the life-changing epiphany after having struggled and uh, tried and failed to lose weight many times um, he had this transformative experience and that he knew it was going to work. And he, a direct quote from Chuck was, I didn't have to struggle with my motivation. It came built in and he lost over 200 pounds and has kept it off for more than a decade. But the interesting thing there is that these experiences often have cascade effects where 
afterward, he ended up, he went back to school and he was a straight A student. He went through a personality shift where he went from very introverted to, you know, uh, more confident and more extroverted. Um, it was, it was better for his relationship and, and, and it, it just had a lot of other positive impacts throughout his life. What about something on the other end of the scale? I was listening to a podcast the other day with a therapist and she was talking about the high failure rate of relationships after somebody has weight loss surgery. And they they didn't dig into that, but it relates back to what we're talking about here is because Um, A lot of people, it's not about the weight loss, it's about the identity change that they have because of that huge event. And I can also see it going the other way that, I mean, this happens all the time in relationships, I guess. You have people go through identity shifts throughout their life and it can Mm -hmm. also affect your, your relationship negatively. And so I can see it also, you know, not that anyone should stop themselves from changing, but it's just that it's just to show this is radical, right? It's mm-hmm. radical what happens to people. And um, this cascading effect that you're talking about, it, it can affect, we have in Balance 365, these women that go on, like one woman has founded a, non, a feminist nonprofit in Vancouver mm-hmm. and is building this huge community. And she talks about how it was Balance 365 that just, it just was that moment, right? Everything changed from there. And it's, it's just interesting to see and we've had women apply for jobs they didn't think they were qualified for and get them. We've had women leave their husbands. We've had, you know, it's just that radical personal growth shift that just, yeah, it cascades everywhere. Well, the, the research you're talking about with, um, with weight loss surgery, of which I am very supportive, I've written an article about how I think that, that if, if people that think that that is the right decision for them, I'm the last person that would ever shame someone for doing so because the research shows that it can be quite effective, but I'm not aware uh, of, and I'm not denying it. I'm just saying that, that I can't speak to that. Right. Um, But however, in, in these instances, I, I didn't interview anyone for the book that had undergone bariatric surgery, but there were a few people that had had experienced significant weight loss and as well as gone through many other changes. And the one theme that I noticed is that what we're talking about is yes, there's an identity shift. Yes, there's a value shift. That's what makes it effortless. There's the whole, uh, it, it refers to Roki, uh, social psychologist Milton Rokic's model of personality, which is like the whole, you know, ogres are like onions. Well, people are like onions too. We've got our actions and behaviors at the external layer, which is if you focus just on changing behavior, that's why you need to be slow and steady because you're in conflict with those more internal layers of your values and in your identity. Whereas if you go through an identity shift and a a shift in values, the outer layers just sync up effortlessly, which is what happened with Chuck Gross. He went through a rapid identity and value shift, which just brought his actions and behaviors into line immediately. But so here's, here's the thing that, that yes, this entire book, is about a shift in identity and values, which sounds scary, mm-hmm. but so this is a, this is anecdotes, not data, but right. the examples in the book, many of these people were in relationships when they went through this dramatic shift, those relationships got better. Uh, everyone yeah, said that they all got the examples better. examples in your book. And I can posit a hypothesis as to why that happens, which is that it's actually and there's there's a lot of there's even some philosophy in there and psychology is that this is not a false construct that you're creating when you go through something like this it's more like the the current identity that you're letting reign is the fake one that's the mm-hmm. one that is you feel that you need to survive each day because of societal pressures and pressures of you know maybe toxic people in your life or your job or whatever else is going on that that this is this is the thing that, you know, it, it's, it can be referred to as the despised self that you're letting rule your life. And then all of a sudden, the true self that, that this is the person that you've been yearning to be your entire life is suddenly let loose. It's not invented out of thin air. It was there deep mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And it was like every little movie that you watched where there was a hero that did something that, 
that impressed you or a story that you read that you say, I wish I could be that brave or all these little things are tiny bits of data that get lodged in your unconscious that, that have an, the ability to coalesce in a profound way in a moment. So when you go through this type of identity change, this is not slow and steady. It's such a dramatic emotional event that it's something where um, it's unleashed. It, it's, like, it's like a volcano where the magma has been bubbling under the surface, building for years, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, kerblooey, it explodes. That's why it's a, it's a holy S moment <laughs> because you have, you have this sudden realization. And, because, and when we look at our relationships with other people, that when you fall in love with someone, you, you have a tendency to idealize them. And you're falling in love with what you, the vision you have of them as their best self. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, they're not always that way. But when right. you see that the best in them, you have a tendency to overlook the, the bad parts, the parts that annoy you, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I, know my, I know my wife does it with me all the time. But the, uh, then, then when that real, true, best self comes to the surface and is allowed to let rain, it, it's like, yeah, the, right. the other member of that relationship is very welcoming of that. So I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm not saying it's going to work that way every time, but sounds good. <laughs> it makes sense. James, what do you think of this? Um, all of this in terms of dieting. So in our community, really what we have founded everything on is that dieting does not work. And a lot, I mean, it doesn't work for the majority of people. And, and what, um, happens with women is that dieting becomes a part of our identity over time. Mm -hmm. So you are maybe introduced or, or losing weight, or, or maybe you'll tell me you're, I'm, I'm not using the correct scientific terms for all of this, but it may feel like part of our identity. Mm -hmm. It is so ingrained in us to be, um, basically defining our self-worth based on our, our ability to lose weight, or at least trying to lose weight makes us feel worthy. And we get, you know, many pats on the head for when, as women, when we're doing that. And I, I would say men probably experience that as well. And so I feel like when women join Balance 365, when we help give them, you know, turn, turn the light on a little bit and they join Balance 365 and they realize dieting doesn't work. And for some of them, it happens like zing. This does not work. This thing I have been doing for 25 years does not work. Or sometimes it happens slowly. And it's like, okay, maybe it doesn't work. But then they like come back, you know, and then maybe they pull back from us a little and go, well, I'm just going to try one more diet just to double check. (laughs) And what would you say that that would you say that's a change in identity happening? Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think you really nailed it that a lot of people, so that's, that is sort of a despised self identity that is being allowed to flourish because their values are the approval of other people or living up to some toxic ideal that you see on an airbrushed model, uh, on a, on a cover of a magazine and looking at, at food as something that you know, the, what they consume is, is a, something that they need to suffer through. That, and this is the thing about these type of events is the whole goal is to remove suffering. When you focus strictly on behavior change, that that's why the tortoise is preached over the hair. Because if you change too much all at once, the amount of suffering that you experience is quite high uh, because it's, it's at odds with, with the more internal layers. And that's why they say baby steps is because you're trying to minimize the discomfort until it gets to the point where you just kind of get used to it and you come to tolerate it. And, and yeah, you know, those things can work, but we all know that the failure rates are pretty high and what can be a much more positive shift in identity is having self-compassion, realizing that you are a, a fallible human being and that, food is something that is supposed to be enjoyable and nourishing and necessary for life and that you can stop caring so much about what other people think 
and worrying more about the way that you, what you think about yourself um, and, and how you feel about the way you look in the mirror and, and how you feel physically, like when you wake up each morning and, you know, hopefully bounce out of bed and then looking at food as something that nourishes you. And because you have compassion for yourself, that you want to feel, feed yourself in a healthy and nourishing way and that you want to exercise because it's good for you and it's enjoyable and it's okay to have some vanity goals. But if you if vanity is your overriding motivator, that I've never seen that work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, exactly. Yeah, you know, like for many years, I had a shirtless photo of me on my website, and <laughs> and and you know, I'm wearing the short sleeve T-shirt and stuff like that. And, and I, 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 yeah, I, I think it's okay to have some of those motivations, but you also need to think about that that you know, I'm never going to be as buff as the next guy. I'm never going to be as ripped as the next guy. Uh, but that's okay because my wife likes the way I look. I like the way I look. I like running. I like lifting weights. I like riding my bike. I like fueling appropriately. I like the way I feel when I eat mostly healthy food. I like the way I feel when I don't drink very much. All those types of things that, that that's part of my identity that just being kind of Zen about this whole thing that mm-hmm you know what, just do the best you can, enjoy your life, enjoy your food, enjoy your exercise. That's identity and values right there. And, and that's a positive one as opposed to, oh my God, I've got this flab from Christmas, which I, I totally do. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that that's a positive shift that people can make because they hear me talking about it. They hear other people talking about it. They read it. And, and it, this type of information percolates in your brain and maybe one day it bursts through to the surface and you say, right. that's who I am. Can I ask a question before we kind of move on or switch gears? When you were telling your story, um, I kind of had this realization that I listen to a lot of podcasts and there's always people you know, being interviewed and telling their stories. And it's usually someone who has accomplished something or done something. And a lot of times you'll hear them have that holy S moment, you know, whether it's, um, you know, they had a big realization or whatever. And I am realizing that a lot of times it's kind of like a, they're, it's, it's a bad moment, right? Like they're kind of in a low place when they have that moment. Is that, and I know you have a lot of examples in the book, is that true for all of them? Or is there another way you can kind of come to that moment? It's, it's common, but it's not the law. So, uh, you know, in my example, when I talked about the one when I was flunking out of school, yeah, I was, uh, the whole action is the antidote to despair quote. I was in a state of despair. So that's one of the reasons why it really spoke to me. Uh, despair is not the same thing as depression, just so we're clear. <laughs> and, but, and so what happens with a lot of people, uh, one example is called crystallization of discontent, which is a psychological term which refers to discontent is is you know one say there's one problem that's bugging you and it's not that big of a deal by itself you're like yeah whatever i can live with that crystallization is when you look at all the other little problems and the whole is greater than the sum of its parts where they suddenly crystallize all together and you reach a point where you're like okay, enough of this, <laughs> you know, we got to yeah. go in a new direction because this is just not working for me anymore. So that's, um, that's an important shift that people can make. Then going deeper, we also have the breaking point, which we see quite often with addiction, where, uh, where people are in a, in a horrible state and they realize that they just can't do it that way anymore. And they've got to go in a different direction. And it is very common um, for people battling addiction where one day they just know this is it never again. And they're done and they, they are done. So that's, that's another way. But on the other end of the spectrum, we also have the, the good to great mentality which is, um, and I'm stealing that from a book of the same name by Jim Collins. And, uh, and the book is actually about 
uh, corporate change where corporations want to go from being good at something to being great. But it actually, there's a lot of good stuff in that book that applies to people as well. And what it is, is someone, you know, life is pretty peachy. Things are going along. Okay. You know, it's, uh, it could be better, but then suddenly a quest enters your mind. <laughs> like I got to do this where, where it, it's not like you want to be great for greatness sake. You have discovered something that makes you want to try to create greatness. And, and, you know, for me, it, people who have that big life-changing event often have more later on clarifying epiphanies. And for me, it was being a writer that I had reached the age of 40 and I had an MBA. I had a successful business career and I didn't hate my job, but I did not love it. And I, I knew that writing was something that I, I loved to do and, I realized life was too short to spend the majority of my waking hours doing something that I wasn't really passionate about. And I was going to give it my very best effort in order to make a career out of this. And, and so that was a life was good. And then I became a writer and it became great. Maybe not quite financially great right away, <laughs> but, but trust me, my, you know, I just turned 50 uh, last year and, and my forties were awesome because I decided to become a writer. And my 50s are looking to be even better. Right. That's good. It's good to know you, you know, you can have these epiphanies without being at like rock bottom. I would just like to say that um, James pretty much just described my last year of therapy in like 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, we actually have a section of our program called The Story of You, which is where we help um, members get clear on their values. And um, I think old Annie, Annie two years ago would have just poo-pooed that. Like, I like, why does this even matter? I just wanted to lose weight. I just want to build muscle. I just want to, you know, run this or lift this or whatever. Like I want to look a certain way or I want to feel a certain way. Why does my values even matter? And you wrote in a blog post, um, that you encourage people to spend less time worried about the exertion of will and engaging in continual resistance and suffering and forcing yourself to do what you really would rather not and spend some quality time on examining who you really are deep down. And, um, you encourage people to like really look at their values, like what really matters to you. And you've found in your book evidence that supports that, that, that will help, as you said with that um, one gentleman that he didn't have to rely on willpower because this is just what he wanted. Like this is, this was him. This is what he wanted. And so we hear from a lot of women that they feel like they need more willpower and more self-control. And you've dug into self, uh, self-control, self-love and willpower in your book and on your blog posts. And as you know, the um, fitness industry loves this, like no excuses, just shut up and do it, grind through it. Um, so after looking at your work in the book and knowing you and knowing your um, personal and professional experience, what do you think about that? I mean, do you want to expand on that barfing noise? <laughs> so yeah, the, there's a lot of research um, in the book debunking the whole myth of willpower and seeing it as a limited resource that, uh, that you can strengthen and you just got to suck it up. We know it doesn't work. People have been mm-hmm. told to suck it up forever. And there's research showing that, um, that the efforts to, to strengthen willpower are futile. There's more research in the book that people who do use uh, what they call grit, that you just tough it out no matter what, even though you hate what you're doing, it's actually physically damaging. It's, it's has negative cardio metabolic effects um, as well as negative effects on, I think that the telomeres, which has to do with your, your life expectancy. And, and so, yeah, it's, and it's just not fun. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just will, willpower and grit and, and powering through all imply suffering. And, mm-hmm. and I just, we don't want to suffer. We seek to avoid it. Our entire evolution um, as a species has been about trying to find ways to make things more comfortable for us. So instead, a person's ability to do things, like I will get up and, and put on a ridiculous amount of layers of clothes to go out for uh, 
a six mile run in minus 30. And it's not because, you know, I don't hate doing it. I actually feel a sense of accomplishment. Like it's kind of cool for me knowing that, hey, I'm out doing something that other people think is crazy. And, and so that's one of the things that motivates me to do it is that it's, you know, it's just, I get a bit of a, an excitement out of it, even though, yeah, it's really cold out there <laughs> and, and I'm kind of slow cause I'm trudging through snow, but it's just, it's, it's this neat little sense of accomplishment. And also the shower after a run in minus 30 feels really, really good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I'm over here like, no way. No. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I realize zero joy to do something so, like that. So that's not, I'm not suffering. Right. All that being said, and I'm really hoping this book takes off because if it does, um, not only will I feel validated, which I kind of need, then I I want to write a sequel about what happens after the holy yes moment. And, and, you know, how do you keep snowballing the success from it? And I think that doesn't rule out discipline. So discipline is is different from willpower discipline is about things like you know getting formulating routines that you stick to even though you don't want to and yes there are days that i don't feel like running but you know i just i figure out you know i'm still a runner it's who i am and i don't always succeed but there's other times like yeah, i don't want to but i'm gonna do it anyway and 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 you make yourself do it and then you get out there and yeah, maybe the first kilometer and sorry for the Americans that are listening. <laughs> the first kilometer is kind of a drag, but then you get into it. And after it sounds like, yeah, I'm really glad I did that. So there's, it, it's not like everything is a joyous. Oh yeah. I can't wait to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's because it's who you are. It's not that big of a deal. Annie just talked about this in a workshop last night that we did for our members um, around exercise you know, it's like we do encourage people to find exercise they enjoy or can tolerate. And Annie just said, look, it's not always going to be super fun. Mm -hmm. You're not always going to be like, I can't wait to get to the gym. Mm -hmm. But even if you can tolerate that exercise and afterwards feel accomplished and glad you went, then... Yeah, there's like this like acclimating period for a lot of people that aren't super jazzed about exercise or movement that it's like they kind of just have to get over that hump of maybe they're a little bit sore, they're getting into a new routine. They're like, I think of as like a snow plows, you know, like or, or you're going through a gravel road, like the first time you go through like fresh gravel, it's like ah, a little bit wonky. And then you keep going through and you keep it like grinding those like um, pathways. Yeah, and then, rod isn't a good word to use. We don't want to be in a rut. <laughs> no, 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 no. But eventually, the pathway is a little bit smoother, and you have less resistance. But initially, when you're getting going, or maybe you're trying something new, you're learning a new skill. Like, it's not all fun, and there's certainly days where you're just tired, and you just don't want to do it for whatever reason. And and sometimes you do, and that's great. And other times you don't. And you know, mm-hmm. don't beat up yourself, beat yourself up over it because you know, tomorrow's another day. And one of the things that I want to be clear about is that, you know, not throwing out the tortoise approach to this, because um, that, that if you think about motivation as like a mountain and at the base of the mountain, that is zero motivation to do the thing. The, and then the peak of the mountain is absolute 100% motivation to do everything associated with this goal with inspired bigger. Well, if you're down at the base of the mountain, you don't just hang out there and wait for sudden inspiration to arrive and Star Trek transporter your butt all the way up to the top. That can happen. Sometimes it does. That's what happened with Chuck, but it doesn't always work. You increase your odds of success if you start to hike a while and you do those baby steps because what it does is that it opens up new experiences to you it gets you thinking because this is something that happens in the brain and if you are having these new experiences and starting to think about this and examining yourself and how you feel about it and and looking at your because this is an emotional experience and that's what happened for me as i talked about the you know the change in school and the change in you know getting out of debt and all that kind of stuff i didn't get in shape right away that came two or three years later when I finished my undergraduate degree because um, I was really busy with school and I was really busy with working to pay off my debts and those kind of things. And I didn't do anything about my body yet because I felt like I didn't have time. And then as soon as I finished my degree, I looked in the mirror and said, wow, I got 
kind of heavy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe I should do something about that. That became my next mission. I learned how to work hard, but it doesn't mean that I liked it. I, I started going to the gym and I did not like it one bit. And, and it was after about two months that I was, you know, just forcing myself to go because I knew that this was something that I had to do. And, and I was powering through on that, that grit and that willpower. And, and I came close to quitting so many times and I was felt like I was losing no weight whatsoever. And then, so I was doing that, that slow hike up the mountain of motivation. And then one day I'm walking out of the gym after a couple months and the person at the front desk said, did you have a good workout? And I stopped and I thought about that for a moment. And I went, said to myself, well, it didn't totally suck. And <laughs> I thought it used to totally suck. And, and hopefully we could say suck on your podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So it, it went from totally sucking to not totally sucking. And I thought, well, if, if I could evolve from it toward it not sucking, then one day I could learn to love it. And, and in that moment, I wouldn't say that I transformed into, into loving it, but I did make a life altering decision that said, okay, one day I can learn how to love that. So therefore I'm going to keep doing it until I die. And that was 25 years ago, still going. So go me. There are a lot of aspects that suck about running a business, this company (laughs) together, but ultimately when your, you know, values, you know, wake up in the morning and being safe, having financial autonomy is so, so important to me. I will, we will show up and we will do those sucky things because ultimately our value of having financial autonomy overrides the pain of doing those sucky things. Yeah. And it's, you know, the alternative is, is worse, right? Right. It is way worse. Yes. (laughs) I think that that's an important um, point that I hope our listeners grab, especially, you know, I talk about exercise because I'm a trainer, but um, so often people think that they love, they love something. So then they'll do it. But, and that, that's how you do more things, right? You have to love it first. But like you just described, you can actually do something, get a little bit better at it. And that cultivates a sense of love or enjoyment. So you can, in, in, a, in essence, learn to love something like you learn to love exercise. And I think that that's what so many women who don't naturally love exercise like I do. I, I get it. Jen and Lauren have expressed that they don't share their passion for exercise like I do all the time. Um, but that there, that doesn't mean that they're just out of luck. And for, um, uh, the analogy that I would use to describe it is that when you take this approach, of uh, hiking up that mountain and then waiting for sudden inspiration to move you much further up the mountain, you know, dramatically increase your motivation all of a sudden, uh, I refer to it as acting like a tortoise, but thinking like a hare. And so people need to be receptive to the possibility of this sudden gain in motivation. And if they're more receptive to it, if they're more mindful of it happening, it dramatically increases the likelihood of that taking place. I like that. That's really good. One of our members, um, her husband's in the army and she has, she had this really good saying on one of our podcasts um, around motivation and behavior change and self-awareness, I guess, sometimes you need to know when to, when you advance and when you just need to hold the line. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a real, like, that's kind of the hair on the tortoise thing, right? Like you just, sometimes you have an opportunity in your life to advance and you need to take it. Motivation isn't bad. It's just knowing. Yeah. Something uh, interesting happened with me. So I was talking about how new experiences and and openness to new ideas that wake up a part of your brain that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't gone out and tried that thing. That's what absolutely happened to me with running. So when I decided to take up running, so I'd lost a fair bit of weight um, with weightlifting and dietary changes. And then I decided, well, I want to lose more. And, and this was before Facebook. So I actually uh, knew that, that running was good for weight loss, <laughs> that, that, it, that it could work because I hadn't bought into all the fit bros saying, no, cardio makes you fat. So, uh, so I, I decided that, that for me, that running would be a good choice and, uh, and that uh, 
that it would also be not just good for, for weight loss, but just good for my health. It's, you know, good for organ health and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I decided to start doing it and, and I was terrible at it and, uh, and it was painful, but I just started at really short distances and gradually built myself up. And I, I was just thinking about the outcome. Like this is good for losing weight. This is good for my health. That's why I'm doing it. And something completely unexpected happened was that, that being a writer uh, and being a person that, that likes to create stories and tell himself stories is that became the most creative part of my day was when I go for a run. My best ideas come to me either when I'm running or going for a bike ride. And, and I just love the free association that I get to do. I'm away from technology. Uh, you know, I don't have my phone with me or anything like that. And it's, it gives me that time alone in my head that you, that I just didn't realize how much I craved that. Uh, and, and it makes such a big difference to me that that was really what I fell in love with that, that if I hadn't actually tried running, I never would have known that that was a thing that I needed. Yeah. That's, that's really pretty. That's a beautiful story. That's really pretty. (laughs) James, can I get your take on another behavior we see quite often? Sure. So what happens very often in our community when women have the epiphany, the diets don't work and they've been living for years and years under a very restrictive way of living, they have their pendulum swing out the other way. Mm -hmm. So many of our members talk about after they join Balance 365, they overeat, go swing into this period of eating all the things that they have denied themselves for so many years. And that usually comes with weight gain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them say it is the necessary, it is, became a necessary part of the process for them in order to have their pendulum swing back to center Mm. and be able to be more objective and balanced in their approach. What is your, do you think it's necessary and, or do you, is there any science or anything that you know of to explain that or what's your take on it? So, I mean, I, the first caveat is that I'm not actually a psychologist. Right. <laughs> I interviewed a whole bunch of psychologists for the book, and we didn't specifically get into that type of stuff. I would say that if you are hearing a lot of people saying that that was necessary for them and, and that it worked, then it sounds like there's got to be something to it. Mm-hmm. For me, like I always would like to say err on the side of caution a little bit, but it you got to do what you got to do. Right. That if you have been punishing yourself this much uh, for so long and you reach this breaking point and you just got to go in another direction where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but, but this is, I just need a break. And, and that what happens then, then that makes sense to me. But at the same time, you need to keep something in the back of your mind that says this is temporary. That this, yeah. this is a reset because you don't want it to go off the rails, right? You don't, you don't want to never stop because, and, and it's, it's not about shaming people for their body weight, but just being concerned for their health and, and you being concerned about your own health and how you feel. And, and, uh, and that, that as long as you realize that this is a temporary reset and that it's part of finding a mentally and physically healthier way to move forward. It sounds okay to me, but right. just, just realize, okay, how far does that pendulum need to swing the other way before it comes back? And, and don't go beyond what's necessary. So just a little bit of caution. We, we have to have these come to Jesus talks with our members often <laughs> about how far that pendulum has swung out and how far, how long they're willing to stay there. Because in the end, a lot of women feel they came from a space where they were controlled by the diet industry, say. Mm. Oh, but yeah. Then, right. But then they're swinging out into this other space where I'm like, but you're still not really free. Like you're still not making free will choices if you can't get your pendulum to come back to center. Exactly. Right? I mean, you're, you're kind of like- a rebound state you let the the food hedonism rule instead right you go from from restriction ruling your life on one end 
to highly palatable food, ruling it on the other end. Right. So you're, like you said, you nailed it. You're still not really free. So be careful how far you let it swing. Right. Um, consider it a bit of a mental reset that it, it's almost like a statement that you're making. Exactly. Rejection yeah. of the uh, uh, this toxic diet mentality where, okay, and then you make your point, forget you diets, <laughs> and then... And then you come back to what you really feel is going to be both physically and psychologically nourishing for you. Right, exactly. James, I know you have to get going because you have more interview. You are just a in-demand man. The <laughs> first time we uh, tried to schedule this episode, you were uh, just coming off of another interview and it was right before another one and everyone wants to talk to you. So I'm so thankful that you gave us some of your time. I know our our community is just going to really enjoy this episode, and um, I bet they cannot wait to get your hand their hands on your new book, which comes out the 22nd of January. So by the time this airs, it should be available, right? Yes, indeed. And where um, I I know they already know where to find you, but if they're new to you, um, where are you hanging out online? Where what's the best place uh, to connect? So with the, you if they want to find the book, uh, probably easiest place as well. They could either walk into a bookstore uh, or go to bodyforwife.com. and there's a book tab that has links to every possible platform they could want. I think I mentioned that I did the narration for it. So uh, they can also get the audio if, if they want to do it that way. Um, we have a lot of fun on my Facebook page. Really good crowd. Oh, there. yes. Uh, <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's uh, I think we're, we're over two thirds women on the page and uh, very, very accepting, very feminist environment. Uh, sometimes some some very foolish men show up and uh -huh. get their butts handed to them righteously. <laughs> and it's an awesome thing to witness. <laughs> so uh, You've had some threads that are like, get your popcorn ready. Sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, I, I don't even say a word. I just, I just read through them and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is that, that I kind of, people like the SmackDown because it serves as a lesson to other people. And I learn things by, because there's so many really intelligent women on that page that, uh -huh. that, you know, people say, oh, you know, you, you, you really get this whole kind of feminism thing. And it's like, well, it's only because I've been reading comments on my Facebook page from awesome women who know this stuff really well. And so, yeah, that's uh, facebook.com slash body for wife. Twitter, eh, Twitter sucks, <laughs> but I'm, I'm on Twitter. You are not on Instagram. I'm not on Instagram. I, I don't take good selfies. Uh, <laughs> so Twitter is twitter.com slash body for wife as well. Awesome. Well, James, thank you so much. I cannot appreciate you enough. Um, I'm really excited for everyone to check out this book and we'll hope to have you back soon. Okay. I'd love to. And in, right. in closing, the one thing I will say to everyone that's listening, that when it comes to these types of life-changing epiphanies, the most important thing is to understand these things happen all the time. And it, it is really important to believe that it's something that can happen for you because that's what opens yourself up to actually experiencing it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises, and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.